Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important to remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Uh, I am a little under the weather this week. I lost my voice. Uh, you know, the, the changing of the seasons kind of does that to me. Every time it starts to get cool in the fall, uh, my throat just dries up for like a week. I'm starting to feel better now. If you had heard me yesterday, I was joking that I sounded like the cartoon version of a guy who worked at a pasta shop. Uh, and the day before that, I sounded like a Disney villain. Uh, so the voice is slowly getting back to where it's supposed to be. And uh, I'm hoping that by next episode, I will sound normal again. Uh, the good news for you is that that uh, when I recorded this episode, I had not yet lost my voice. So most of the interview, at least, I sound fine. (laughs) It's just these uh, interstitial parts where I'm a little raspy. And I apologize for that. Um, Trust me, it sucks more for me than it does for you. Let's get straight into it. My guest today is Lily Bennett Sharf. Lily is a longtime friend of the show, longtime lover of all things food. And uh, this week, we got together to talk about the Jewish high holidays and the sort of coming together around food, especially that happens during this period. Uh, So we're going to get straight into it. We're going to talk a little bit about all of that and what that means to us, to Lily as someone who grew up Jewish and to me as someone who is converting. This is a a really interesting episode. I think if you like conversations about the sort of like coziness of ritual and routine and conversations about gathering and coming together, like that's really the kind of central theme of this show. So hopefully you enjoy that today. uh, And uh, yeah. Enough of me being raspy. Let's get to the actual interview. Here we go. Lily, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of No Bad Food. We're going to get right into it in a second. But before we do, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about, you know, who you are in relation to food, in relation to today's topic of, you know, gathering and and coming together and the sort of food and ritual and you know spirituality around all of that hi i'm lily yeah big fan of food big fan of the podcast um big fan of gathering this is also like especially a big time of year to gather at least like so i was raised jewish and um every jew's favorite activity is to gather and just kind of contemplate what does it mean to be alive but this is like an especially both light and heavy it's really nice because it starts off as like a new year's and then you have a heavy holiday and then you have two holidays where everyone's like what are we even doing um but it's like very cute and very fun um yeah so i don't know this is this is always like a funny uh part of the year for me because it's also like a very it's like a certain group of people are celebrating, whereas not a lot of other people are. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I think that there's something to like holidays and, and you know, even, even beyond holidays, just sort of routine gatherings of people, right? Whether it's, whether it is, you know, getting together annually for, you know, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and, and Sukkot, or if it's like, you know, just your Sunday dinner with your family or, you know, Friday dinner or whatever it ends up being, there is something to the the ritual of a routine meal and a routine gathering that can be really, really beautiful and, and powerful, I think, too. Yeah, I have so many friends that Friday night, depending how religious they are, is for family. Right. It's like always for family. And I almost feel like um, the high holidays is... Uh, reinforcement or an encouragement of meeting and the importance of meeting that I really, really appreciate that I, I actually didn't think about until like two seconds ago. Yeah, fair enough. Well, well, that's it. So, so let's kind of talk a little bit just at the top of like what the high holidays are, right? Because if we're, you know, we're recording this episode mid-October, it's going to be coming out on like, you know, a week or two. We're like, you know, nearing the end or possibly right after the end of of things and like 
but we're still kind of feeling it, you know? And I think that's the thing about this kind of thing is that you still feel it for a little bit even after it ends. So let's talk, let's give some context here, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, what are the high holidays of Judaism? So there are four. The first one is going to be the New Year's Rosh Hashanah. Uh, the second one is Yom Kippur, which like the best way I can explain it is like for those who followed Christianity is like Lent. It's like repent day. Uh, third, we have Sukkot, which is kind of like, it's very cute. I actually like, um, I don't know, it's a very sweet kind of interacting with your like inner child kind of holiday where you go into uh, a hut where you have to have three walls, you can have four walls. And it's so people can kind of enter in and out and it's like a feast. And then the fourth one is Simchat Torah, which is basically like restarting the story of the Torah because you do the entire Torah, the story of the Torah throughout the entire year. Um, yeah, so you just kind of restarted and those are the four main uh, Jewish high holidays. I say this as someone who hasn't studied Judaism since sixth grade, so I might be a little shaky on the details, but still enthusiastic. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I think one kind of major tenet of this show is that nobody has to be an expert in the thing that they're talking about as long as they're excited about it and they love it, you know? Yeah. Because, like, listeners aren't going to be experts on the things we're talking about. So why do we need to be necessarily, you know, if you love something? I totally thought that every single rabbi that has ever been alive was going to listen to this specific episode. And we're just going to go off, you know? I mean, you know what? They might. Oy so vey. Yeah. Some pressure. <laughs> Some pressure. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting. Like just looking at those four holidays as kind of a like start to a new year cycle, right? Because that's that's what New Year celebrations are, right? It's it's the acknowledgement that there's a new cycle starting. And with the Jewish high holidays, they come at the time of harvest for us, which is awesome uh, and feels right too, right? Where you you start the year strong, you start the year with a good harvest. And it's like, okay, yeah, you have your day of, you know, here's the new year, let's celebrate. Then you have a period of what have we fucked up? What can we be doing better? You know, that that time of repentance, that time of atonement. Yeah. Something I like is that it's it's generous. Like the yeah. timing is generous. Yeah. It's not like you got to do it all at once and you got to, you know, it's very generous. It gives you four weeks to be like, all right, let's figure out our New Year situation. But it's it's also like you have New Year and then a week later you reflect on last year. Yeah. Which and is that it alone, I think, is really lovely. Yeah, and and unique because I think a lot of the time with our sort of New Year, like recognition, whatever you want to call it, we don't necessarily also think like, what can we be doing better? Except you know, we we get like New Year's resolutions, but those don't feel as significant as this because this is a real call to actually reflect on what you have been doing and how to be better to your fellow person as opposed to new year's resolutions which tend to be like i'm gonna go to the gym or i'm gonna eat more vegetables that's so true i didn't even think about it as like a collective and like the idea of like a mitzvah versus the individualistic point of view yeah well that's it right it's it's this thing of like even the individual side of of yom kippur reflection is about atonement and repentance right it's what have we been doing poorly and how can we do it better which inherently has to do with other people because it doesn't matter what you've been doing poorly for yourself it matters what you've been doing poorly for others right whereas a new year's resolution is like i want to go to the gym more and it's like okay that's great good for you that's not significant in the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. And then to and then to have that period of like reflection and atonement followed up by a period of like Sukkot where you you do have like that open space, right? Where you say like we're coming together in this little celebratory way and we're opening our door and saying, come on in, celebrate with us because it's this new thing. And it's the timing of it being like during the harvest is also really significant because it's this bountiful time, right? So it's like not just it's not just a chance to reflect on what you could be doing better, but it's a chance to act better too. Cause the bounty is there and it's like, okay, let's share this now. Ooh. Oh my God. Tom. That's yeah, that's true. It's like, it's like, it's a very good time to both like be reflective, but also act on those reflections because yeah. Oh, brilliant. I didn't even think about any of those things. Yeah. You can like then give your harvest to your neighbors and then act on those mitzvahs. I'd never thought about that. Yeah. Well, that's it. And and yeah. that's what I think like this is, you know, I am I'm 
converting as we speak. I, you know, like uh, it's it's going to be a long process, but this is like the first year that I have paid attention to this in a significant way, right? And like I am someone who hyperanalyzes everything. I hyperanalyze Gilmore Girls while I watch it. Like I'm not. Oh my god, are you a Virgo? How did you know? And and like I can't <laughs> I can't become aware of something without thinking way too much about it. And like. <laughs> I'm going to be right at home in Judaism. Like this is to me, this is so exciting. This idea of a a New Year's holiday that is like actually about something instead of just about the calendar clicking over and everybody deciding that they're going to go on a diet for a few weeks. Can I ask like why you want to convert to Judaism? Yeah. I mean, I guess I haven't really talked about that much on the show yet. For, for me, I grew up evangelical grew up I grew up in a secular house but I I went to an evangelical church through high school and you know into my like late teens young adult time so I am Jewish and I dated someone who is a Jehovah's or when he was younger he was Jehovah's Mm -hmm. what is evangelical like I don't yeah like there's so many sects of Christianity that I just like I don't know I'm yeah yeah so So what is evangelical I was specifically Anglican but there's kind of two halves to the Anglican church there's the like progressive Anglicans who are like very traditional in terms of like aesthetics I guess but not in terms of theology so they're very progressive in that sense and then there's the you know shitty Anglicans who uh, are you know aesthetically pretty pretty traditional which is fine uh, but also you know pretty conservative in their you know politics and and social views uh, and I despite being a queer kid from a like pretty liberal household, got sucked into, you know, the shitty Anglicans when I was young and got stuck with them for a very long time and eventually left. Uh, And after leaving the church, I had a period of time where I was like just disillusioned with faith systems altogether and was like, screw it, I'm not going to bother with this kind of thing, which I think is natural. You know, you go through a breakup and you swear Mm -hmm. off men for a little while and then you come (laughs) back to it. And, uh, you know, I, I think at some point in that I started to feel like I was being drawn to something like I wanted some kind of of faith system again I wanted some kind of community especially around that but I really specifically wanted something where the extent to which I believe in God didn't necessarily matter as much as the extent to which I was willing to think and reflect and be a better to my fellow people so as someone who like has never vied with Christianity mm-hmm. I feel like it's like you're in it or you're not with God yeah whereas like with yeah. Judaism it's like like I have always, always identified as like culturally Jewish, but not religiously. Sure. Like I don't believe that there's like a person up in the sky that has decided things for me. But I love a lot of the Jewish tales. Sure. And what I'm understanding from what you're saying is like you are looking for the flexibility within your relationship to quote unquote God. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Like I think for me, I can see myself believing in God again. I can't see myself like being comfortable being somewhere where it's not okay to struggle with whether or not you believe in God, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, that makes so much sense. And like, you know, like you, I grew up with a ton of people who, you know, were culturally Jewish or like, you know, went to, you know, went to temple weekly, but like didn't consider themselves like religious. They considered themselves secular. And, and I think about that and I'm like, okay, like what's the difference between that and where I'm at? Mostly, you know, membership and, <laughs> and growing up in the culture, obviously, which like is important, but, but on a core level, not that much. Right. So I was like, oh, that's really appealing to me that there is this thing that like, it is a, it is a faith system that I can get behind with an understanding in itself of people being human in that way. Yeah. And then on a like different level, I grew up with a lot of Jewish friends and always felt very at home with them and very welcomed by them. And like that also was not insignificant in my like coming to realize that I wanted to convert. Like it was it was not it wasn't like I just said, maybe I'll try Judaism. It was Judaism feels like home in a lot of ways. You felt identified within it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like my my closest my closest Jewish friends, you know, for years have joked that I'm an honorary Jew, and like yeah, that's such a that's such a thing. Oh my god! Yeah, I was like while you were talking, I was like, oh my god, it's such a vibe where like 
a bunch of Jewish folk will be like, oh, we chose this guy. This guy is a good one. Right. You're going to come with us. Yeah. Well, that's it. And like, I always kind of laughed and was like, oh, thanks, guys. But like, actually, it, it was it really like touched my heart in a really deep way and like made me come to a point of being like, OK, well, like maybe there's more to this than that. Right. Then I like learned some, you know, family background stuff that made me strongly suspect that my like great grandparents may have been Jewish and just like not told my grandparents because I mean that makes a lot of sense because you know what they did to most of the Jews yeah right around the time my grandparents were born in uh, 1945 yeah Yeah. well that's it so like I it kind of to me hearing that made me go hmm and then like that almost made me more comfortable with the idea of seeking it because I think that as someone who's converting I have like weight around this idea of converting into something where I know that there is a lot of like birth-based merit, mm-hmm. which is a weird sentence, but like you know what I mean, like. So my mom is my mom converted. Okay. Which technically I'm not Jewish. Like if you ask like a Hasidic, sure, I'm not Jewish. Right. But, but then, I I'm like. But you're Jewish. So that's where it gets like funny and complicated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, right? Like I I mean, even when I was in the church, like there's this it's this it's the no true scotsman fallacy i don't know if you've ever heard it put this way where it's like this idea that like unless you are exactly the way that we think Mm. you're supposed to be then you're not really that and like that was you know that was something that i understood as a sentiment in christianity for sure was like you would hear protestants saying that catholics were not real christians because of the way that they practice their faith and like i think that's bullshit i would argue that you know a lot of conservative evangelicals are not real christians because Jesus would punch them in the face for the way they treat queer people and oh, immigrants. But, 100%. you know, <laughs> we can talk about that another time. But, like, yeah. <laughs> for me, knowing that there will always be that with everything, where even as a, like, very out, very queer person, I sometimes don't feel queer enough around some queer people. I know that there will always be oh, these issues Oh, that's, like, a constant that. struggle, though. Yeah. 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 Oh! And, is this your parallel to, like... Like religion? Yeah, for sure. Well, that's it. And, it, and and so for me, it's like, you know, I, I've heard it put this way by Reconstructionist rabbis uh, that like there is not actually that much of a difference between a convert and someone born into Judaism. Like you are you are both Jewish. The only difference, it's it's like the difference between, you know, being born rich and getting money <laughs> later in life. Like you you just, you know, had to work for it or whatever like your personal journey is going to be what matters and it's going to be what's significant and like that's hard obviously you know you've got to wrestle with that but like I think before starting to suspect that my like ancestry have Jewish roots you knew I I knew in my heart that it was something that I wanted and then when I started to suspect that I felt more comfortable pursuing it because I was like well if and when like hyper conservative Jews question it, I can like at least be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure my grandparents, you know, like it, it gave me that out that I felt like I needed, which is dumb. And I fully acknowledge is a little dumb. Wait, Tom, how old are you? 29. 29. Oh my God. You're, I don't know. I don't know what your Saturn is, but you're about to be, you're either in it or you're like about to be in your Saturn return. I think I'm in it currently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's going to suck and it's going to be amazing, but I'm so excited for you. It's um, going to suck and it's uh, going to be amazing has been a lot yeah. of my, my life so far, <laughs> to be fair. But yeah, so I guess all, all that to say for me, the desire to convert to Judaism is partly out of a place of just wanting to belong to something that I have felt like I, that I have felt like. Have always understood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Can I tell you my favorite Jewish story? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So I don't remember where it comes from. I like, but I know that this is a story and that this is like a philosophy and it is the thing that I live by. Okay. And I adore. Um, So if you Google it, like whatever, but I don't remember its source but if you say sorry to someone three times earnestly honestly completely oh my god i'm so sorry i hit your car like honestly like it was so bad like i should i should have recognized you know if you say sorry three times earnestly honestly completely three times and the person does not forgive you it's bigger than you there's nothing you can do like they have to figure out their own emotions and then move through that like you could say sorry as much as you want, but after three times, you, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how many more times you say sorry, they still they need to figure it out for themselves. Mm. 
it's bigger than you. And for me, like that was such, I, I can't remember what year I, I was probably in like fifth grade or something when I heard that. And it like stuck with me. And it's such an important lesson to just understand and know, like, cause it's true sometimes where it's like, even if like you are the source of like a big anger and a big sadness, you, if you say sorry three times, the person doesn't forgive you. Maybe try again in a couple of years if you were theoretically the source of the big sadness. Sure. Maybe try later. Um, but there is stuff that this person has to go through first in order to forgive you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and yeah. I think I think your point about trying again a few years later, like I would argue that saying sorry three times in quick succession is just saying sorry once. Right? Well, like no, sometimes no, no. <laughs> the idea is that you wouldn't do it in quick succession because that's cheating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't argue but, uh, someone into forgiving you. Oh, you can't? I thought that's exactly how everything works. <laughs> Ask my this mother. Whole time. I thought if you just shake them, yeah, <laughs> you just shake them hard enough, they'll have to forgive you. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, feasts. Are yeah. nice because um, they bring you together and like I don't know like Thanksgiving is not a religious holiday no so I want to say like every group of people like has a holiday that they gravitate towards where it revolves around a meal mm-hmm. it's just Judaism only cares about food where we're just like oh my god listen we're gonna I'd be have lying. the biggest fucking meal I'd be lying if I said that that oh, wasn't yeah, also no part food, of the appeal like... look <laughs> you're like there's only one holiday where they don't eat of course. <laughs> Give me the yamaka. Let's go off. <laughs> well, I mean, like, honestly, like, like, I don't think that I could, like, seek out a faith system that didn't care deeply about food. And, and like, yeah. in all fairness, most do. But, like, I think that matters to me a lot, you know? Obviously, I have this podcast. But, like, that that also has been a factor for me. Just, like, seeing the deep meaning behind food within like almost like most Jewish holidays have some connection to food. And that is really significant to me. Can I tell you a deep sweetness of mine? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So as someone who's like really into astrology and so the way that I'm into astrology is that I like the playfulness of time. I like that you can, so your chart is basically a picture of you in the sky. And so when you think about the way that your chart interacts with other planets that's it's a it's like a funny conversation within time and it's not a linear thing it's like a deep thing okay so with the idea of the playfulness of time there's something really incredible and tender about repeating the same words that have existed for millennia like hebrew is a very ancient language Mm -hmm. And so, like, being able to say, like, Rosh Hashanah is just, it makes me feel like I've been connected to so many other people Mm. for so many years. And it's just, it's really cool. And it makes me feel like I I can interact with other people within the idea of time, Um, which I know other religions have and whatever. But it's just, I know Hebrew is, like, one of the most ancient languages that we still like a lot of people still speak yeah and it's just really fucking cool yeah well that that's that's true like the the connection to time that you get from from i mean really from any kind of religious tradition and ritual yeah that's a significant thing it really is like there are so many parts about religion that i think from someone who especially if you're atheist because i feel like an atheist person is like crossing your arms like fuck this noise you know like very angry <laughs> which like you have your own thing around it that's totally fair yeah, that's yeah. really fine like that's that's your thing but i don't know i always viewed like religion as like poetry and sweetness and like as someone who has never believed in god i think it's just like yeah it's just poetry it's mm-hmm. just a way to perceive a certain story it's myth it's it's excitement it's a way for you to understand yourself in another person's life another person's shoes I think it's like very tender. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and that's it, right? Like I think even at my most atheistic, I probably would have still seen a lot of value in those aspects of of faith traditions, right? Like I 
there are things that I miss about the evangelical church. Like we, the music was beautiful. And I'm not just saying that because I was one of the musicians, but like there was, there was genuinely like the times when I felt closest to God, the times when I felt most connected to the community were during like communal times of singing, right? Where you would be gathered in a space together that was like beautiful aesthetically. And singing music together that was beautiful aesthetically and, and like I know a lot of that like the cynic in me says like of course the aesthetics were there like you know I'm not gonna lie as the music leader I was making sure the music sounded beautiful and excellent because I knew that was what it would take to like get people to that place right and like does me manufacturing that that presence make that less significant I don't think so no. <laughs> like because there's an intentionality to it right and like and that's something I miss is having that regular meeting time where something beautiful is happening and everyone's participating in it. And like, you don't get that unless you seek it intentionally. That doesn't just happen. You know, like you don't, you don't have those beautiful collective moments walking down the street or going to work or going to school. Like that doesn't exist in the normal world that exists in faith systems that exists in like religious services. And like, yeah, even, even, in my most like god hating moments that was something that i saw value in and like you can get a certain amount of that from concerts and from from comedy shows and even movies but never in the same way what does your body feel like what does it feel like within you like in those moments yeah oh it's been years so i don't know that i can really name it but there's like a a feeling of connectedness almost i i i want to say there's a harmony right and and uh, like i have to put it in musical terms because for me it, it was music that was the most significant thing there but like there is a harmony that comes from and i don't just mean a musical harmony but like a, a, a like a metaphysical harmony that that comes from people joining together where like ideally there's also a musical harmony but let's be real you get 100 people in a room together they're not all <laughs> going to have you know the chops for it no, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, there, there's, I think, a a feeling of everything moving together. And that feels significant. And I think that, like, to come back to our, like, topic right now, that is, I think, one of the things that feels really beautiful about these, like, times of gathering, you know, not just for worship, in air quotes, but but for togetherness, for, for you know, gathering. <laughs> yeah. So I went to synagogue for the first time in, like, four years, like I said earlier, I don't believe that there's like a thing in the sky, but like I, I'm really excited and encouraging of like the folks that do. But so it was my first time going to synagogue in four years, mm -hmm. probably. And besides seeing a bunch of like 80 year old men fist bumping, which was adorable, <laughs> um, because of of COVID, everyone just like fist bumps and it's so cute. Right. There was one moment that I was sitting there, and there was a person behind me that would say a couple words every so often and it kind of felt like you know when you know the lyrics to a song but you don't know all of them <laughs> yes yeah but it was it was really sweet it was like very uh yeah it was just i can't say a better word than sweet like it was just very sweet to sure. like because they're very because it's yom kippur the day that i went was yom kippur which is the repent day and especially it was like the evening before the main event it was like Usually it's like the nighttime and then you have the daytime and that's the main event. And mm -hmm. then you have the, the next evening time. I went the first evening and just hearing this person murmur things like automatically, always. Sure. Every little bit. It was really, really tender. It was very sweet that it just felt like, you know, it, it was just something he always knew. And something that he always recognized, and it just you can't help but saying but say these words. Mm -hmm. It was very sweet. Yeah, I, I love that, and that's it, right? It's it's one of those things that like the cyclical nature of it takes you back to that really cozy place, and like seeing people seeing people experience that as well is is so beautiful. A thing that I uh, that we had happen the other day. So we've been watching through Gilmore Girls. I, I made oh a joke about God. this earlier, right? And like. Toby is not watching it with us. Toby is asleep in the bed while we watch it. Um, but very occasionally we turn it Sorry, on. Sorry, what season are you on? Like season one. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. 
so so very occasionally we turn it on like as he's falling asleep because we're like well if we want to watch two episodes tonight we got to start now but he's like still fading and like you know he'll fall asleep during but he will sing along to the opening credits a little ah! bit like he doesn't know the words oh my god that's exactly the same thing it's like you just know it you yeah. just know it it's without like he, even being caught <gasps> that's it he recognizes yes. it and he'll like mumble some of the you know little bits of it he perks up when he hears music you know and and even just seeing that i was like hmm, this is like this is important you know this little yeah it is important yeah that that little instinct of like you know wanting to be part of this thing that you recognize as beautiful like he's he's three he doesn't he doesn't fucking know anything (laughs) but he has this instinct of like this is a thing that is joyful and i want to be part of it and even though i don't really know it it's catchy enough that i can kind of like boob along on some level we are all just three-year-olds booping along to a song we don't know (laughs) we definitely are i will agree on that yes 100%. On that note, we are going to take a quick break over to the mid-roll, and when we get back, we're going to continue this conversation a little bit, and maybe we'll bring it back to food a little bit more in the second half. (laughs) Hey, yo, welcome to the mid-roll. It's Raspy Tom again. I'm back to kind of squeak some words out of my throat. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of October, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. The Depot can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, it's kind of like you're donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. That goes a long way. And there's no other way to turn zero into six, right? Like that's just not how normal math works so if that's exciting to you go do it you can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode i've said it once with more of a voice and i'll say it a thousand more times but i'm not going to say it too much today because again my voice is going away uh we have merch and you can get some from the lovely folks over at our pod cavern merch store uh get yourself a hat or an apron or something with our logo on it you won't regret it it's good stuff i really like it hit the link in the bio you know where it is the description whatever bio what is this instagram hit the description link you know get a hat all right let's get back to the show Okay, so we're back in the second <laughs> half of the show. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what? Like, let's be real. Like, this this is an episode that is kind of loosely around food. This this happens, you know? We cannot explore everything about food without occasionally exploring things that are, like, one circle outside of food. But like we alluded to earlier, Judaism is a religion that's about food, right? <laughs> like, everything is food. Everything is food. Everything oh is God. food. Except for pork. Except for pork. Except for pork. Get your shrimp away from me. Get, get that out no, of there. No, but like, like, well, not me. I really like lobster. Yeah. If you um, <laughs> want to send me lobster for whatever reason, I will definitely <laughs> eat all of it. So, um, you know, just going to set that forward. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm converting, but I'm not planning to keep kosher. I'm just going to put that, that, putting that out there now for the every rabbi in the world who's listening to this episode as previously yeah. established uh i'm still gonna eat oh my pork. god i'm gonna give you a bag of beasley's i'm gonna give you, like have you ever had beasley's what is beasley's oh my god so beasley's is literally the best snack it's so good it's chips they're like a type of chips there are so many different shapes there's one that's like the pizza flavor is like a square with four squares inside of it the barbecue flavor is um it's kind of like a what is it called the swirly pasta what is that called fusilli fusilli it's kind of like a fusilli there's one that's like that's like a rigatoni like shape yeah they're all delicious they're all incredible um highly recommend they're an israeli snack i have had these i just didn't know the name of them and seeing the package now with the like with the hebrew name written on the front yeah yeah they're all like shaped like pastas yeah yep yep and they're fun they're so good they're so good that's very next time i see you i'll I'll give you some of them amazing (laughs) yeah so actually that that brings me really smoothly to my question for you here in the second half of the show which is what is your most significant jewish food memory or 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 experience around the high holidays like when you think about this time of year when you think about these like changing and and secular patterns and routines and and rituals what is the like food thing that stands out for you okay i'm gonna do a cop out that's okay i'm so sorry um when i think about the high holidays (laughs) 
I think about like going to synagogue, Rosh Hashanah, going to synagogue, and then going to, there was always my parents' friends always had a celebration. And then my family would always have desserts on like one, the opposite day, basically. Okay. And I remember, so I'm so silly. I'm someone who like, if I don't like something, I'm going to force myself to like it. Okay. Until I like it. The only things that haven't worked so far is cilantro and red peppers. Interesting. Okay. You know, I've I've done a lot of, you know, I've tried a lot of stuff and th- these two are, are hard for me. Sure. I'm getting really good at the red peppers, cilantro. It's a hard one. Anyway, so one of them was at the friends, like the family friends. They would always have gazpacho. Okay. And my brain would be very, because I love soup, my brain would be very confused. It's not at all a Jewish food to have gazpacho and Rosh Hashanah. Sure. Um, as, you know, the Italians for a good chunk of time hated Jews. Um, that's not like a common um, thing to have. Sure. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I had gazpacho. And for years, I was like, I hate this, but I want to like it <laughs> because I want to be cool and like gazpacho. <laughs> I eventually liked it. It was really good. So that's like one one thing. Um, but I'm gonna cop out on the other side and say that like matzo ball soup is like a huge thing in my head. Sure. Like, like the there the thing about the high holidays is it's a lot about snacks. Mm. I'm gonna say like there's not like a staple food. Like the strongest argument that you could have is I don't know like. Because a lot of the ideas around meals is that it's like protein focus. Mm. And the only protein focused thing that I can think of on the top of my head is like a fish head for okay. Rosh Hashanah. Sure. And like people don't really eat that. Also, that's not a lot of protein. Like I just like I don't think about the high holidays in terms of their like quality of plates sure. and like whatever. Whereas Passover is like a giant fucking meal sure. and it's a whole thing <laughs> and it's like a big thing. And so I think of individually i think of my aunt's um eggs in uh for passover because she made them like a little bit watery and extra salty and i love salt and i was so addicted to them when i was a kid and when we stopped going to her place for passover just because she got a little bit older and we didn't do it but i loved those eggs that's one and then two is matzo ball soup i love matzo ball soup and I make it maybe like four times a year or something, maybe a bit more. I definitely make it when I'm sick. And I remember my ex getting really, one of the things when we were breaking up, he was like, can you tell me the matzo ball soup recipe? I was like, <laughs> no, that's that's with me and my people. I'm so sorry. That's like, you, you know, yeah. I can come over at some point and make it for you again. But like, there was one point actually that I think we were, I was like getting rid of my stuff and I had an extra serving at Mutz Ball Soup and I gave it to him because I was like, I know you want it. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. So these are my like food associations sure. with Judaism. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. I, I know like, I know one of the kind of things that you wish each other around Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to say we wish each other around Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to start using we yeah. language here. One of the yeah. things that, that we wish each other, we wish each other, we wish each other, I'm having so much trouble speaking words. Wow. One one common wish around Rosh Hashanah is to have a sweet new year, not just a happy new year, right? Specifically sweet. And so I like know a lot of people who will intentionally have like sweet foods around this time of year and like pomegranate and and honey and apples. And I think like that that kind of leans so like desserty to me more than like big mealy so i totally understand like not specifically having well like, uh... the the rosh hashanah ones are like so it's like honey and apple and it's wish a sweet new year the pomegranate is to celebrate all of the mitzvahs you mm. should do because all of the seeds um it's more about like the meaning behind every single object but right. i say that but also the passover seder has like you have celery on this plate or like cut up apples with cinnamon and you're like, Oh my God, dramatic. Um, Amazing though. Um, But like a lot about Rosh Hashanah is about the excitement and the sweetness for the new year. I'm going to butcher the the phrasing, but it's Shana Tova Metuka. So like happy new, happy sweet new year, but it's technically happy new year and sweet. 
Yeah, fair. I mean, you know, sometimes syntax gets lost in translation. Yeah, well, I love that. I it's funny, like gazpacho. So so you know, I will say, like, for as much as like, yes, you know, obviously, lots of horrible shit involved with being a Jew in in the Iberian Peninsula for a very long period of time. Shout out to the new president. Woo! I will say, like, you know, gazpacho as a thing to eat celebrating Jewish holidays. Like, there were Jews there. So like yeah, there were know, Jews everywhere. Yeah, yeah, like there there would not have been any any horrible shit done to Jews in those places had Jews not been in those places, right? So like it is, I think totally legit to eat gazpacho on a Jewish holiday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It just it gets like for me very sensitive. And there's sure. a very wonderful YouTuber. She she makes like really really good video essays on Judaism. Okay, and she's probably my favorite YouTuber when it comes to Judaism. I think, like, something that a lot of people forget when it comes to Judaism is, like, a lot of what does it mean to be Jewish is to flee and find community. Right. It's, like, it's not a stable group of people. It's, like, very, I don't know. Um, I remember, like, when I was traveling, like, I wouldn't tell people that I was Jewish. And some people think it's useful. Some people think it's not whatever to each their own that's totally fine it's becoming a bit more okay here and there but i don't know i i still find it a bit nerve-wracking because you never really know sure like i think that's another like parallel to the queer experience right is like this thing where it's like you're safe most of the time but you still are never 100 percent sure if you're going to be safe until you're sure if you're safe right yeah yeah definitely it's definitely there are a lot of parallels between, I think, the Jewish and the queer community. I think it, yeah, it, it ranging from like how much you identify with this group, how willing you're to commit to this group. Like, I don't know. How all we like, ever do is you, get together and argue and eat good food. And what else do you want to do? Yeah, um, exactly. I love to complain. It's my favorite activity. I was talking with my boss the other day, and she's wonderful. She's like a you know, a star in the sky and I was going on and on about certain complaints and she's someone who like wants to fix my problems. And at a certain point I was like, I also just like want to complain. I just like want to complain. Sure. I don't need you to help me. I just like want to yell into the sky. God, as a Virgo, as a Virgo, it is very hard to not try and fix everybody's problems yeah. every time they complain about things. That is something I've had to really work on in myself over the years. Cause like, Usually someone tells me anything negative going on in their life. I'm like, well, what can I do on a practical level in the next five minutes to fix that for you completely? Because I'm sure there's something because I can fix everything. Yeah, I have like 37 resources and no time. But (laughs) so the YouTuber that I really like that has really good uh, Jewish content is called Lady Night the Brave. She specifically has this one video about the idea of the good goy um, and how a lot of um, Holocaust movies are more so about the good boy than they are about the experience of a Jewish person. Mm. And so in the two examples that she uses, one of them being the book version of The Book Thief, and then the movie version of Jojo Rabbit, how it, there's both the good boy, but also the Jewish experience, and this is how you can kind of balance them. Mm. I've seen it like four times. Every time I watch it, I cry. It's really good. She's brilliant. highly recommend she has like eight videos about judaism but like also other videos about like horror and stuff she's great cool uh 10 on 10 yeah yeah i love that i i think there's something to looking at things through a deeper lens than than we necessarily would on a surface level right like any piece of media can have an important thing in it for you even one that like wasn't necessarily meant to be there (laughs) and and that's i think a practice that's worth having in your life no matter what your like you know system of beliefs is like have have in the back of your mind what is something important that's happening here that I could be paying attention to and it will enrich your experience of watching the thing even if the thing you're watching is dumb like I <laughs> cannot tell you the amount of like nonsense content that I've watched over the years or like I mean, heck, I used to have a podcast where I watched episodes of Frasier and, like, mined them for, you know, life lessons and episodes of Pokemon and and did the same thing. And, like, anything that you watch, you can, if you pay close enough attention and are thoughtful, 
you can find something extremely meaningful in it. So I believe that. Yeah. I'm a strong believer in that. Um, we are almost out of time for today. Lily, thank you so much for this. This was really lovely. It's it's always nice to just like have a conversation and like go deep on things a little bit. And like I I think I'd especially like to thank you for like talking Judaism with me because like this is new for me and and exciting and like it it was really like thank you for your excitement about that when I told you because like I don't know I again like as someone who is converting I feel baggage around the fact that I'm converting and I know that that is just something that I will have to work through but like I I always am a little bit nervous right that my Jewish friends will be like pissed off at me or something which is silly (laughs) and no one has been but i still am nervous you know i feel like another connection with judaism and christianity depending uh, sorry judaism and of course there's many connections judaism and christianity but judaism and queerness Mm -hmm. is that like unless you're part of the queer crew you're like oh no one wants to know about these things sure and then someone's like i might be queer and you're like oh my god (gasps) here are all the memes or like you know like when someone's transitioning like you know, people are like, oh, I don't know. And like, da, da, da. and I like I'm I'm cis. I'm not going to talk in like anyone's experience. But from like the few friends that I have that are trans, when someone's like, oh, this is like my experience as like this gender that you're moving towards. Like, like, how do you feel about this? And like expressing yourself through those things, like the excitement around that, mm-hmm. I feel like is very similar to like Judaism, where it's like, I mean, depending on the sec. Obviously, if you go up to someone who's Hasidic, they'll be like, no, I don't know. I'm, that's not even true. I don't even know. I haven't talked to someone who's Hasidic in a very long time, besides my landlord. But if you, if you go to someone who's Jewish and you're like very interested and you're like, oh my God, I have all these questions. I'm excited. There's a good chance they're going to be like, oh my God, I have so many things to tell you about. Sure. And it's kind of like this really, like no one's asked me a question about this thing in so long that I'm like really happy that you're curious about yeah. So I just saw another correlation between queerness and Judaism. But also, like, there's been a really high rise in uh, lesbian rabbis lately, which is fucking cool. Sure. Yeah, I feel like you're this is this is like a, a weird small world thing um, that, that you and I discovered recently that your dad is a regular customer of mine, a yeah. regular customer of mine at my store. Uh, he was just telling me the other day that he was so excited that you came with him to, to that service last week. Yeah. Specifically because you guys just got a new lesbian rabbi. She's not. She's not in. She's not there yet. He wants. Yeah, like it's really it's very sweet. He he loves her so much. Um, He's like rooting for her to like to take. He's rooting for her so hard. We haven't from from the drama that I know. We haven't had a solid rabbi for a while. Sure. So he's really hoping that they can convince her to move here. But she also like lives in new york so it's like why would you leave new york (laughs) you know maybe you just want better bagels i'm just i just started a fight the the international community of every (laughs) rabbi in the world who's listening to this right now just got real pissed off or really excited depending you know yeah it's really we're gonna look at twitter tomorrow and it's gonna be chaos it's gonna be chaos it's gonna be great yeah perfect uh lily thank you again i mean you know like from the bottom of my heart thank you for everything this week but also for you know this conversation specifically um before i let you go do you have anything you want people to check out any social media accounts your own or ones you want people to you know follow now's your chance to do some plugging yeah my instagram is the number five ft25 i'm pretty lazy on it but i'm getting a bit better it's photo-based work and I'm starting to get a little bit more into my poetry again, which I've been quite lazy about. And I also post a lot of astrology stuff on that page. And if you want your chart read, hit me up. I am a big fan of chart readings. And yeah, those are my main boys. We, we like barely talked about this, but Lily is a brilliant photographer and a uh, big, big, what's the word, astrology nerd. So uh Good, a good account to follow, I think. Oh my god, thanks. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Have a good night. You too. Or a good day, depending whenever you're listening to the show. Yeah, a good, a good, a good. Have a good existence. 
Ooh, Raspy Tom here again to say thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Tefferbear and at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Gab, Thomas, Anne, Erica, Carlea, Andrew, Chantal, David, Mallory, and Sarah. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. If that's exciting for you, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to make it happen. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at the Podcavern. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach. Have a sweet New Year, Ingles. And our cover art is by David Don't Eat That Lemon Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. See you next week when I will hopefully no longer be a little raspy rasp man. Bye-bye. You understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Do you love YA Lit? Looking for a community of readers who love it as much as you do? Want to find more rad, diverse books? Check out Yeah Podcast, a show about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. Every episode, we discover new books, revisit old classics, hold exclusive interviews with amazing authors, and talk a lot, a lot, about Twilight. This is our book club, and you're invited. Find us and many other shows in the Pod Cavern. What Mega Man boss would make the most terrifying kaiju? I, for one, want to be the first to welcome our new kaiju overlords. How would Adam Sandler fit in the MCU? I injected myself with the Green Goblin serum. Oh! Debate This is a podcast that asks the questions about your favorite video games and comics that no one is asking. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts. And on social media at Debate This Cast. None of it's that so is mind control. Though. It's so close. It's not it's, so close. It's, it's,